Welcome to Embrace Your Brain's exciting new series called Embracing the Mature Mind. Join Dr. Dee Coulter as she explores the natural brilliance awaiting us all in the upper decades. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, when new learning seems hopeless. Even great teachers can have a rare student that just shuts down on them. Offering micro steps without any novelty may succeed when all else fails, but why could that be? We all have our comfort spot somewhere between familiarity and novelty. Some folks love novelty, and they're quickly bored when things get too routine or familiar. They're the colorful and adventurous ones among us. And if learning comes easily to them, they love the challenge of tackling projects that are filled with lots of ambiguity and uncertainty. And then there are those of us who love comfort and never even rearrange our furniture. We like our novelty in smaller doses. We might even prefer vacationing in the same places every year. And surprise parties? No thanks. We may be good at learning, but we choose to learn more about what we already know. Our goal is to become experts in the field of our choice, not to start from scratch and learn things that we know nothing about. Kids in school are like that too, and actually for that matter, so are dogs and horses. Some learn new things fast and delight in new experiences. Some aren't comfortable until they practice this new thing a lot. As teachers and trainers, we know which learners want small bites and extra practice, and which ones like enthusiastic praise and the excitement of new challenges. But what if our learner has completely shut down and sees all the new learning you had in mind as scary or unpleasant? Well, that's the situation I found myself in with my little pony this year. Alfie is absolutely adorable, and he weighs less than 300 pounds, which means he's only a little bigger than a burrow. Full-size horses can weigh a 1,000 pounds or more by comparison. He loves being petted, and he doesn't mind being brushed, but he'd been frightened a couple years back about getting his halter off, and he's refused to put one on ever since. I had a skilled trainer work with him, but he still refused. So when his older corral mate died this summer, I simply had to get him over this trauma pattern for his own safety. If we had to evacuate and I couldn't halter him, we'd be in trouble. So I began our twice-a-day, five-minute sessions with four little pieces of carrot and the slowest steps imaginable. We started with me sitting in a chair holding a carrot with my hand reaching through the halter on my arm. Fast forward to now, and he can't wait to get his halter on. He lets me lift his front hoofs, and he even comes out to the hitching post to graze. Why do I bother talking about this? Well, I think it holds clues for how to work with post-COVID kids in classrooms, for example, those who aren't learning well. They're acting out a lot more these days, they seem to have much less impulse control, and they aren't likely to follow rules very well either. They seem too distracted to learn new things. Praise, excitement, novelty, rewards, strong discipline, they all fail to work like they did before. I think they're in the same overly stressed, hypervigilant state as Alfie. And all of those interventions have one thing in common. They all call for stimulation, a touch of adrenaline, just to provide some emotional energy and hopefully catch the learner's attention. And they're all backfiring because under stress, the brain downshifts in the face of stimulation. 
It operates at a lower level of the brain, where excitement and fear are one and the same. They're just heightened stimulation, and therefore they could be dangerous. The urge is to fight or to flee, if possible. If not, they may freeze and simply shut down. Alfie chose to flee, but kids in a classroom often can't do that, so they may act out or simply withdraw. So if novelty is backfiring, what's left? Familiarity, of course. But how can we possibly introduce new learning and stay with what's familiar at the same time? We need to proceed with almost invisible increments. Look at what seems to be the next step, and then cut it in half at least. When the learner flinches or balks, go quickly back to what's totally familiar to calm them back down. Watch your tone of voice. Melodic voices feel safe, but no hyper-excitement or big smiles or praises. Sometimes we don't even know we're changing our tone of voice with kids who struggle. To help teachers in my university classes understand this, I created an experiment. First, I taught them to say, Morgan Dr. Gaffio. It doesn't mean anything. And I asked them then to imagine a child who always gets things right, and that child has just brought you a perfect paper and you want to praise them. What do you say? And they'd go, Morgan Dr. Gaffio. Now they were to imagine a child who rarely got things right and had brought them a perfect paper. And how do you want to praise them, I'd say. And here's how they'd say it. Morgan Dr. Gaffio. Can you hear the difference? One said, well, I expected that. And the other said, well, that's a surprise, just in the tone of voice. Here are a few more pointers. Speak slowly, with lots of repetition. You could maybe change the words slightly, unless the learner is very literal. In that case, every shift in vocabulary is like new information, and it confuses them. Then you have to use exactly the same words every time to stay familiar for them. Create as much form as possible. Form is to familiarity what freedom is to novelty. In pre-COVID times, the school culture had a form that everyone knew and everyone helped hold it together. But coming back after a year or more, without those forms, we have a whole school that is floundering and needing to create these cultural customs all over again. Every teacher has to have the special skills of a first grade teacher. First grade teachers always had to bring a new class into form and build a school culture from scratch. By the end of the year, miracles usually happened and that class had become a social group. They had joined the school culture. How did they do it? They relied on familiarity in creating that culture. They kept to the same schedules, used the same ceremonies and customs, and began every new lesson with mastery practice first. New learning was introduced in micro steps. Gradually, the children began to notice the familiarity and relax into it. Let's explore those micro steps. Here's what I did with Alfie. Little by little, he got comfortable with the halter sliding up his nose and then getting a little piece of carrot as I sat in a chair. But eventually, I needed to be standing by his side, sliding the halter up his nose, and then buckling it behind his ears. So next came standing by his side without a halter, then with a halter by my side, then brushing the halter along his side, then sliding the halter up his nose while I stood by his side, giving him a carrot and sliding it back down. Next, holding the straps together over his head, and over a few weeks, edging toward the point where I could buckle it 
Give him a carrot bite and gently unbuckle it. Now, the halter just means carrot snacks to him, and he loves it. But it took 25 days with two tiny practice sessions every day and at least 15 micro steps to get there. We've been talking about Alfie and about young children so far, but it really applies to all of us too. How willing are you to learn new tech procedures, installing apps perhaps, or importing and sending materials? How about replacing a filter on something, or learning how solar panels work? If there's an area that you insist you're too old to learn, or you just can't possibly understand, Remember Alfie and start small. Pick some aspect that you do understand and slowly expand on that. Insist on taking micro steps and practice or review what you know so far before taking the next very small step. You'll get there. I really hope you'll join me in this important conversation. Please send your comments for sharing to d at embraceyourbrain.com. I look forward to hearing from you.